So I want to talk today about about vision. What are we aiming at? What are we looking at? Where are we moving towards? What are we focused on? It is said, if you aim at nothing, you will hit it every time. So what are we as a church aimed at? What are we as a church focused on? What is our vision? That thing that we're focused at, that's our vision. That that place we're moving towards, that's our vision. When we talk about vision, let's not overcomplicate it. It's where we're going. That's our vision. Where we're going, where we're headed toward. That, that place that when all is said and done, that's our landing place. And so we are moving towards there. Our vision. To me, it identifies where I want to be. Where I want to end up. Our vision at Impact Rock, it's about what we're dreaming of and what we're planning towards. You guys will never see our dreams and our visions come to pass if we don't know where we're going. And if we don't know why we want to go there, and if we don't know how we're going to get there. So I want to talk about those things today. Vision is important. Vision is vital. And most Christians are familiar with this passage. Uh, most of us probably heard it. Without vision, the people perish, right? So that's found in Proverbs 29. And I want to read, I want to read that from the English Standard Version. Because that's, that's predominantly what I preach from. Proverbs 29:18 says, "Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Where there is no prophetic vision, the Hebrew word is kazone. It's a mental sight, a dream, a revelation, a vision. And without this, the people, once again, the Hebrew word para, the people are exposed. The people are made naked. The people are uncovered. Without revelation, without a dream, without that vision, the people are made exposed and vulnerable. I like to say it this way. Where there is the revelation of Jesus Christ and vision of Him clearly communicated and seen, then people are protected and thrive. Same verse, just just a little bit different. Where, Where there's revelation of Jesus and His goodness and His grace and His might and His power and His plan and the vision of those things and they're clearly communicated and they're clearly received and seen, then the people thrive. So what is our vision and how do we cast it? Casting vision is just communicating vision in such a way that people can grab a hold of it and make it their own. We talk a lot about vision casting. That's what it is. We, we cast the vision in such a way where, where it's clear enough and simple enough so someone can go, yeah, yeah, I'm with that. Yeah, I'm going too. So what is our vision? If you've been at this church for a while, you know the vision. Our vision is this. Profound 
love for God. Genuine love for His church. Demonstrative love for His lost. That's our vision. You might say, well, well, those are our pillars. You, you communicate those are our pillars. Yeah, they're our pillars, but that's our vision. That's where we're going. That's the only place we want to be. That's the only place that we as a church want to land upon. As His people, that is what we want to be. Profound love for God. Profound is an interesting word because it's a very smart word. It, it's, it, it, we feel very smart using that word, profound. That's profound, that's deep. If you looked up profound in the dictionary, this is what you would get. And I have a graphic for it up there. So listen, this is profound love for God. So this is the type of love for God that is our vision. Penetrating or entering deeply into subjects of thought or knowledge, having deep insight or understanding. Okay, that's profound. Originating in or penetrating to the depths of one's being. Being or going far beneath what is superficial, external, or obvious. The fourth meaning of deep meaning, of great and broadly inclusive significance, pervasive or intense, thorough, complete. Dictionary.com, that's their definition of it. And we grabbed a hold of it and said, yes, that's the kind of love that we aim for. Friends, there ain't no church, there ain't no Impact Rock Church without this right now as the first thing that we set our sights on. We don't want to have a superficial relationship with Jesus. We don't want to have a shallow love for God. What is our vision as an eldership team? Profound love for God. It all starts with profound love for God. What about the community? Forget the community until you've got this point square. Until until you've got this point square, forget any other ministry, forget any touch to the community, forget anything else until we've got this set in our hearts. A profound, a deep, a significant, a pervasive love for God. When we talk about our vision, this is our vision. Profound love for God. This church will always have this vision, and God willing, we will always aim for and focus on and go to great lengths to arrive at this. We exalt Jesus Christ. So let's let's look to Paul's last words in the book of 1 Corinthians. The last words that close out that letter, that first letter that he wrote to the church at Corinth, it, it kind of segues us from that first set of vision to the second. So it, it transitions us from profound love for God to genuine love for his church. 1 Corinthians 16, 21 through 24. I, Paul, write this greeting with my own hand. If anyone has no love for the church, and remember, or, or um, for the Lord, remember, he's speaking to the church. Okay, he's he's writing this letter to the church at Corinth. This is a message for the church. If anyone has no love for the Lord, let him be 
accursed. Let him be doomed to destruction. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. My love be with you. All in Christ Jesus, amen. He makes this incredibly bold statement. If you don't have love for Jesus, let him be accursed. That guy's doomed. Church, if we don't have a profound love for Jesus Christ, we're doomed. Then, then what, what's our what's our anchor? What's our focus? What's that thing that centers us? Is it is it how how wonderful we are and how much you know you make me laugh, or is it is it how how kind you are to me? Because see, then we're really in trouble when I no longer make you laugh, and we're really in trouble when when maybe I'm not at my best and I'm not kind, or we're really in trouble whenever. Unless Christ is at the center, unless we are building this church, unless Christ is building this church with with Him as the cornerstone then those who labor do so in vain. He's got to be the center. The second pillar of our vision is genuine love for His church. Genuine love for His church. Once again, we're going to turn to dictionary.com or Webster or Miriam's or whatever, but if you look up genuine in the dictionary, this is what you get. Possessing the claimed or attributed character, quality, or origin. Not counterfeit. Authentic. Real. The third definition, free from pretense, affectation, or hypocrisy. Sincere. Then that fourth definition, descended from the original stock. Pure in breed. When we grow in that profound love for God, we're, we're pure of stock. We're pure breed. See, I'm a mutt. You know, I, I, I'm, normally I'm a mutt, but this tells me that, that's, that that genuine love of Jesus Christ really in my life defines who I am. We're to have a genuine love for His church. A genuine love for His church. John 15, 13 through 14 says this, Greater love has no one than this, that someone might lay down his life for his friends. If you are my friends, you are my friends, if you do what I command you. Man, if only we knew what Jesus had commanded. Oh, wait a second. The verse before, verse 12, we do. One verse earlier, he says this, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. How did Christ love us? He laid down his life for us. He came in obedience to the Father. And he gave us all. Friends, we got to grab a hold of this, man, because we have a hard enough time laying down our preference, much less our lives. See, we're... we're you know you're getting old when you start talking about like your generation and previous generations. And I swear, I feel like this is the most selfish generation that's ever lived. The most self-focused and self-absorbed and self-centered. And, and I think that's a sure sign that even though I'm 48, that, that I'm, I'm on the precipice of old. But I believe it. I absolutely believe it. Man, we have a hard enough time yielding preference to one another. Oh, that's not my preference. You guys go to lunch. I don't like uh, Outback, so I'm not going to go to lunch with you. What? That's ridiculous. Nah, it's my preference, and so I'd rather not fellowship with you. 
I'm going to Taco Bell and said, What? Well, I, I you know, I, I don't like this. No, I'm not crazy about that. No, you rubbed me the wrong way here. Okay. You guys, when it comes to this church, there's got to be genuine love. Man, I, I, I love you guys. Even, even when you're a big butt. Even when you act up. Even when you let me down. I love you. Because see, Jesus commanded that of me. And he is my all in all. And I live my life to make him happy. And, and he's shown me and he's shown us in his word that loving one another, he calls it obedience and it makes him happy. Genuine love. And that brings us to the last pillar, demonstrative love for his lost. And if you look up demonstrative, this is what you get. Characterized by or giving to, or given to open exhibition or expression of one's emotions, attitudes, etc., especially of love or affection. She wished her fiancé were more Demonstrative. That, that's that's their example. I didn't use that example, but as I'm reading that, I'm like, man, I, I, I wonder if Jesus feels that way. I wish my bride was a bit more expressive, demonstrative of that love and that affection, especially for one another. Second meaning: serving to demonstrate, explanatory or illustrative. Three: serving to prove the truth of anything. Indubitably conclusive. That's another smart word. We don't use indubitably enough. I'm going to start. Indubitably, it'll be today. And this is, this is the heart that Jesus has toward his lost. And he calls them his lost. They're his lost. Luke chapter 15 is this incredible love poem. Of his lost. Luke 15, 1. I want to read 1 through 11. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable What man of you, having a hundred, a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it. And when he has found that one out of a hundred, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. He's talking to the religious. Who, who, 99 righteous people who don't see that they need the grace of God and that they need repentance. You guys, repentance is, is, one of the most, is one of my favorite topics in the Bible. It means a change of mind. Repent means to rethink. It means this is how I thought. Jesus showed me his heart. 
I agree with Jesus. I've rethought my stance on the matter, and I agree with Jesus. That's what repent means. Repent can be emotional or it can be unremotional. A lot of times, repentance is a turning, but that's not what the definition of repentance is. You know, it's not, you know, a 180, because sometimes it's just one degree. This is what I thought. And Jesus, that's what you think. Friends, I don't even want to be one degree off. See, if I start off with being one degree off from what Jesus thinks, it might not affect me right here in this space. But if Jesus thinks this and I think this, where am I going to be in 100 feet? Where am I going to be in, in a mile? Where am I? I'm going to be completely lost, man, if I'm just one degree off. So repentance, I get to rethink. I get to have my mind renewed by the Spirit of God and say, I agree with Jesus. Verse 8, or what woman having 10 silver coins... If she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so I tell you, there is joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Okay, so we got we got men. Which of you, you have a hundred sheep? And one is lost. So you've got one one hundredth. Then he says, women, how many of you, you have ten coins. So one tenth. And then this is how the next, the next story starts. And he said, there was a man who had two sons. I love the, the use of percentages used by Jesus here. Oh, you didn't get excited about the one out of the hundred? That, that, wasn't, that wasn't close enough to you? How about you got ten and you lose one of those ten coins? Oh, that doesn't move you? You've got two sons. And one of them is lost. And then Jesus goes on to tell the story of the lost son, the prodigal son. Beautiful story. Absolutely beautiful. Beautiful in every way. This one's interesting in the fact that this is a son. It's a lost son, but this is a son. And he's he's chosen to take his inheritance and go off. So the father doesn't chase after him. But what we see in that story is the father standing somewhere. Somewhere, I imagine, a high porch. The direction my son left in that direction and I believe that's the direction he'll come back. And I'm looking. And I'm looking to see if there's a glimmer of my son returning to me. And looking and looking and looking. And when that moment comes, when he goes, it's my son! And he's far off! And the father leaps from the porch and runs to him. And see, the Bible tells us in this story that the son prepared this wonderful speech. I'm not worthy to be called your son. I've sinned against you. If I can only be a servant in your house. And the father runs to him and throws his arms around him and the son starts his wonderfully prepared speech. And the father interrupts it and he said, my son was lost and now he's found. Go get a robe and put it on him because he's my son. Get sandals on his feet. Get a ring on his finger. Son, say no more. I, I know you had a great monologue prepared, but you're mine and I love you. 
your home. Go, go kill the fattest cow we got. We're gonna party. Go hire the DJ. It's on. Go let everyone know my son was dead and now he's alive. My son was lost and now he's alive. And if we can grab a hold of, of the passion of that story that Jesus tells, friends, then we should have that same passion for a lost and hurting world that has what we claim to have. And that's Jesus. I said it's a, it's a selfish world we live in. Friends, let's not be included in that selfish world that refuses to share the most valuable thing any man has ever been given. Share hope. Share the good news of Jesus. Share grace and forgiveness. And when you hear someone say, you know, I, I, I've come to church, but I'm such a mess. When I, when, I get my, when I get my life together, I'll come and say, you don't have to get it together. See, you can come before Jesus right now. And any bit of filth or shame or sin, anything, you just go to Jesus and He's going to wash you as white as snow so you don't have to clean yourself up. Just come into this place where we're going to point you to Jesus week after week. We're going to sing about Jesus. We're going to pray in the name of Jesus. We're going to preach about Jesus. Just come. Well, I, I don't know. If, I don't know what I believe. Just come. Just come. You're welcome here. Just come. Let us tell you who He is, and not from some distant perspective, because this isn't some superficial relationship. This is deep. This is profound. I know him. I'm not speaking of someone, second or third person. I know him. And I know his heart for you. He loves you. Friends, we better be reminding each other in this church how much God loves us, how much he's there for us. It's good that our enemy is so predictable. It really is. It's good that our enemy is so predictable. Why why would we criticize one another when we can point each other to the grace of Jesus and remind each other how much he loves us? Why would we distance ourselves from the lost do we think we're going to be tainted? Do we think it's like contagious? The Pharisees must have because they mocked Jesus for eating with the sinners. I guess I guess the religious think that that sin is contagious. But see, the Bible tells me that greater is He that's in me. This light that's in me, this love that's in you, greater is that than Satan who's in the world. Predictable old Satan who's in the world. Church, if we don't have any unsaved friends, we're we're missing the mark a little bit. If the only friends we have are Christians, we are dropping the ball. This is not a club. nowhere, Nowhere on anything do we have Impact Rock Club. This is Impact Rock's church. This is the church of Jesus Christ. And we point people to Jesus. And we love on people. And we have grace for people. And we let people know, no, you don't got to be perfect. 
you just got to stand the race. Just get up. Come on. And I'm not, get up. I'll run with you. I'll link arms with you. You need some healing? Here, let, let me put you up for the night. Let me hire a doctor. Let me bring someone in. The story of the Good Samaritan. Let me go out of my way to show love because that's what my father did for me. This is who we are. When I talk about our vision, when Andy talks about our vision, I don't care if it's in children's ministry, this is our vision. Women's ministry, this is our vision. Now they all have unique, specific points of focus and emphasis. But this is our vision. Profound love for God. Genuine love for his church. Demonstrative love for his lost. Okay, we're not there yet. We're not there yet. But man, we're, we're closer now than we were last year. We're closer now than we were two years ago or four years ago. And this church is eight years old. And we're a heck of a lot closer now than we were eight years ago. Let me read something to you about vision. Habakkuk 2, two 1 through 3. Habakkuk, if you read 1, he's got a couple complaints against the Lord. And he, then, in Habakkuk 2, he's like, I await the Lord's response. So listen to this, and keep in mind the context of vision. He says, I will take my stand at my watch post. It kind of reminds me of the father in the story of the, the good, or the, the prodigal son, right? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower. And this is really cool. I will look out to see what he will say to me. See, vision is we see what God says. See, normally when we talk about what God says, we talk about what? We, we hear him, right? We hear him. When we talk about vision, we see the vision and the revelation and the dream of what God says. I look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. He's already thinking about what am I going to respond to after Jesus, after God responds to me. And the Lord answered me, write the vision. Make it plain on pen and paper so that he may run who reads it. So that he may run with this vision who reads it. For still, the vision awaits its appointed time. The vision hastens to the end. The vision will not lie. If it seems slow, quit being so impatient. Wait for it, for it will surely come. It will not delay. Man, I read that. This was like revelation for me. I'm like, Lord, we're eight years old and we're not this and we're not that and we haven't grown in this and we haven't... Lord, what about all these things? And the Lord brings me to this and says, wait for it, it will surely come. Be patient, Mark, it will surely come. But I want you to know something. We're, we're doing what the Lord is leading us in to get us there. We spent 10 weeks on discipleship. Why? Because discipleship will help get us there. For 10 weeks we talked about how Jesus discipled, and we said, be disciples or make disciples, but don't sit there and do nothing. For 10 weeks, we said, make disciples and disciple some folks, or get discipled, or do a combination of the two. I don't know. But don't sit there and do nothing. Why? Why did we spend 10 weeks on discipleship? Because that will help us get there. That will help us get to that vision. Then we focus on leadership training. Man, that thing was in the bulletin for like nine months. 
Leadership training coming soon. Leadership training coming soon. Leadership training is awesome. So then we did leadership training, and it is awesome. And people have been impacted by it. Why? Because raising up leaders helps us get there. Raising up leaders helps us get to that vision of profound love for God, of genuine love for His church, of demonstrative love for His lost. And now, in case you haven't noticed, we're even putting like a little teaser announcements. We've never done like mystery, dun dun dun, to be continued. We have a cliff hung, a cliffhanger in the bullets in every week where we're talking about what? Connect groups. Why? Because connect groups will help us get there. And we're so predictable. We're so predictable. All we want is to please Jesus. All we want is to grow in that love for Him. All we want is to love one another with that love and to be real and genuine and to know you can be real and genuine. Yeah, but I, I smell a little bit. That's all right. We, we, got, we got showers. The Holy Spirit's going clean. I don't know, but, but I, I, I'm abrasive sometimes. That's all right. We, abrasive... And a lot, a lot of things can't get accomplished without abrasion. And then demonstrative love for his lost. We're not, we're not there yet, guys. But Habakkuk 2 tells me that the vision won't lie. The vision focused in Christ Jesus will not lie. And to be patient and wait for it. So you know what? There's things in our church that I want to see birthed, and they just haven't been birthed yet. So I'm, I'm just not going to manipulate it and control it and bring it about in my timing when I trust a God who does that a whole lot better than me. Does that make sense? That's our vision. That's what we're built upon. That is where we're going. That's Impact Rock.